This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. back in you're listening to the january 26 2018 not quite the super bowl edition of the fantasy football mailbag or of his podcast and we are dedicated to answering all of your fantasy football questions i'm your host jeremy hart at fantasy gumshoe joining me today on the show is a contributor here at the viz and the writer of the weekly dynasty watch here on the site and the winner that's right the winner of the 2017 writing contest here at rotaviz.com welcome to the show john lipinski you can find him on the tweets at ff underscore skiball it's Great to have you on the Mailbag Show. John, man, what's good? Uh, Nothing much. Thanks for having me on, Jeremy. Oh, my absolute pleasure here. We're going to be answering all the questions for the week regarding, uh, you know, candidly, we got a lot of dynasty stuff rolling in right now. We've got another week until the, the Super Bowl. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Well, kicks off here. We don't have too many questions around the Super Bowl right now. Uh, so we've really got a go-forward approach here, and I thought, what better way to do that than bring in the resident dynasty dude here on the site? So let's go ahead and do that. But before we do dive right in, John, I want to cover on that writing contest that you pulled down there. So many of our audience that's still hanging around right now are doing so because they simply can't get enough of this fantasy stuff and somehow turn this hobby into something more. Now, some might be listening and wondering how to get involved in this scene. You won the writing contest last year, earned your seat at the table, if you will. So talk a little bit about that process, why you took the plunge. Sure. I mean, there's, uh, you know, I've been subscribing to Rotoviz for about two years at that point. And uh, on the forums there, there's actually a sticky post that says, hey, you know, if you're interested in becoming a writer, you know, you can go ahead and submit some work and, you know, they'll, they'll take a look at it and see if it's up to snuff. And I'd always kind of looked at that and thought, you know, maybe I should give it a try, and I, I never got around to it. And uh, I'd seen a couple of the writing te- contests go by. I never really bothered with it. And then the one last year came up, and I said, you know what? Yeah, let, let me just do this. You know, I feel like I could do it. There's no reason I can't. Let me take a shot. So I sat down one night, and, you know, I, I just banged out a post. You know, it's one of those things where I, I'd, you know, just been reading Rotovis for a long time, and it felt kind of natural. It's like, you know, you kind of absorb it through osmosis, through reading a lot of the stuff of like, hey, the style of the site and, you know, how everybody's, um, you know, what what's really makes a good Rotoviz article. So I felt like when I did it, I kind of already, you know, was thinking in the, the Rotoviz mindset. So uh, I banged it out. And then, uh, you know, a few weeks later, I got the uh, the email that I won. So it was pretty cool. 
Fantastic. Yeah, congratulations. We're definitely in order. It was definitely a good post there. And you mentioned just kind of banging out your first, first post there and having somewhat of a model, you know, it, you know, it's an evidence-based post blog site, right? And that's what we do. And of course, you know, we, we do our best to proactively kind of think in the outsider or from a different perspective in terms of what other people's might think, what's the other side of the story and how we can potentially combat that and kind of acknowledge it and, and kind of uh, debate that a little bit. So, you know, what have you learned uh, since then? You know, your first post, you mentioned just kind of banging it out. It's funny, I, I did my first post way back when, similarly, in that, you know, I was just like, man, I got all these ideas about a player I want to talk about right now. I got nowhere to put it. So I was like, you know what, damn it, I'm just going to put a blog post up there. And it was about Alshon Jeffrey. And since then, I've had a much uh, love-hate relationship with, with one Alshon Jeffrey there. But I digress. <laughs> but uh, so, so, Well, no, it, wait, let me, let me ask, was your take that Alshon Jeffrey uh, was 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 going to be good or bad or where'd you go with it? Did it end up being right? It was yeah. At the time, it was all Sean Jeffrey has a top seven upside, and I think the following year he was like a top ten wide receiver or something. You can call that a win. Yeah, it was right in that ballpark, right? And it was right before he broke out. I want to say I, I wrote the article maybe two weeks before his three touchdown game in Dallas or something like that, and it was one of those things where you're just you're. You're on cloud nine at that point. Like, yep, yep, I got it. I got it. You know, I don't need to mention the fact that my next like three calls were completely missed, right? We, we, we don't need to mention that part. We, we could sweep that under the rug. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, you've been doing it quite a long time now. I mean, the, the Dynasty Watch, we'll talk a little bit about here. But so, you know, what have you learned? What, what's been your progression path here? You know, I think, you know, like I said, that, that first one I kind of banged out, I was I had a couple Red Bulls, stayed up all night just doing it. I think it was like the, the day of the deadline that I'm like, you know what, like, let me just get it in before then. And, um, you know, it, it was kind of like exhilarating, like, hey, you know, I, I wrote this, I can do this. And then, and then to win was very validating. And then, uh, you know, I did a couple more articles in the off season, and then I, you know, started doing the in season content where it was like, hey, we want to, you know, have something every week, you know, some content every week on Dynasty. And I, I think one of the things I really learned was, um, you know, it, it's work. You know, it, it really gave me an appreciation for, you know, the content that you see people putting out there. Um, you know, there, there's some content that's not great, but like the guys who are really in there doing this that are are putting the thought into it and really doing it, taking the time to do good analysis and, you know, uh, going in depth on things, you know, that, that's not something that they're just, you know, spending five minutes a day working on. You know, this is something that you really got to put some effort into and that, um, you know, you really got to work hard at. So I, I think that's one of the things of, you know, just being a little disciplined with my approach to stuff to, to make sure I can, you know, uh, keep things, you know, with deadlines and everything uh, to get there. And, um, you know, and, and to learn that's okay to be wrong because you're going to be wrong in this business. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not, there's, it's impossible for everybody to be right all the time, even if, uh, if they claim they are. You know, there's some guy recently who said, I saw it going around Twitter, everybody was retweeting it. The guy who said he'd never gotten a QB call wrong or something like that. I mean, you know, there's, there's, you know, NFL GMs, you know, there's have entire scouting departments, you know, uh, guys whose professional job is to pick football talent and they get it wrong all the time. So, um, you got, you got to take your shots and, you know, like go with what you believe and, and do your best and do your due diligence. But, you know, if you're wrong, you know, accept it and move on. Fantastic. Now, you pretty much already covered it here, but I'll say it just for the sake of saying it here. If somebody out there listening right now is thinking about taking that plunge, taking a look at that sticky post out there on the forums here and saying, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and submit something here. What advice would you have? 
I think it kind of relates back to what I was saying where, you know, I've been a subscriber for two years and I kind of felt like I really absorbed the style, you know, just through osmosis, you know, that, um, I think, uh, you know, Stephen King has a book called on writing that, you know, kind of talks about, you know, what do you want to do if you want to become a writer? And I think this applies to even something like Rotoviz where it's more statistical analysis as opposed to, you know, writing fiction or something like that. But, you know, his advice is to read, 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 you know, just, just never stop reading that, you know, not only do you need to, to write a lot, but, you know, I haven't written in years really leading up to this that, you know, I, I actually used to write back in the day, but I mean, over a decade since I've really like written anything other than stuff for work, you know? Um, but, you know, I read a lot, you know, I read voraciously. So, I mean, I was reading all the content on the site and I think that, you know, reading the content on Rotoviz, reading other fantasy football content, you know, just, just knowing your subject matter really intimately and, and knowing, at least, you know, even if you're wrong about stuff, at least knowing what you're talking about, being able to anticipate counter arguments and being able to, you know, really speak in the language of, you know, uh, fantasy football and, and have that knowledge is very important because when you know what you're talking about, like a, at least you, you, you are in that proper frame of reference, it'll come across a lot better than if you're just kind of trying to do it without any background. Sage advice, indeed. Now, of course, we talked about the weekly dynasty watch. Uh, one of one of you know my one of my favorite weekly reads. Uh, I'm a dino head as well here, so uh, you, you're knee deep in this. So, give us a name you're buying heading into the next season, and maybe a name that you're selling as well. There's a couple guys I'm buying, but one I saw recently that um I guess I actually missed the boat because it was in this one league where uh, he got traded, and I thought it was for less than he was worth was uh, Devontae Freeman. And I actually don't own any Devontae Freeman, and I was not acquiring him going into this past year. But, um, you know, I, I looked at a couple mocks recently where he's going in startups, and I kind of feel like maybe he's getting overlooked a little bit that, you know, he was kind of banged up this year. The offense regressed. You know, everybody's really down. They're bringing Sarkeesian back next year, and everybody's really down on him. Um, you know, Tevin Coleman's still good. I, I believe Tevin Coleman's good and, you know, he looked good when he got the opportunity and everybody's kind of, you know, saying, well, Freeman's, Freeman's going to lose touches and Freeman's, you know, not going to, uh, you know, Tevin Coleman could continue stepping up and taking more away from him. But at the same time, you know, his contract has him locked in there through 2019. I mean, I think if they cut him before 2019, like, or do anything with him before then that they're basically, they'd be costing themselves more money, like, than, it would to just keep him under contract. So, I mean, for Freeman's locked in there. We don't know what Tevin Coleman's future is. I mean, I think they just said last week, I saw a news item that um, the GM over there was saying, hey, it's realistic. We could keep both these guys. Um, and, hey, that's a possibility. But, you know, that that's still far off. They don't have a ton of cap room. Um, you know, so th- there's nothing guaranteed. So uh, trying to get in the mind of a Freeman owner and the, the owner that sold him in the one league I, where I saw him go for, you know, what I thought was, you know, pennies on the dollar. Um, kind of had me thinking that, you know, maybe people are, are a little afraid, you know, and like I said, I don't own him anywhere at the moment, but maybe his owners are starting to, you know, get spooked a little bit by Tevin Coleman, by what happened with the offense, by him getting banged up this year. And I think, I think I'd be willing to buy him if you can find somebody selling him for kind of cheap that are saying, you know, Hey, you know, uh, I want to get out from this guy right now. So he's a guy I might be throwing some offers out for, uh, this off season. As far as the guy I'm selling. Uh, this guy I do own in one league actually is, uh, Brandon Cooks. Um, you know, that, that's a, it's a tough one because I think he's the kind of guy where opinions on him kind of vary wildly and the value you're going to get back for him really will kind of depend on your league mates. Um, I'm kind of hoping he can like ball out in the Super Bowl here, 
And then, uh, you know, that, that'll drive his value up <laughs> heading into next season that, you know, if he puts up some like, you know, seven catch, you know, 130 yard game or something like that, you know, with a touchdown, you know, maybe going to next season, everybody will be all excited. But, you know, he kind of hit, like I say, a perfect storm. But I mean, you know, you had, uh, you had Julian Edelman getting injured. You know, Chris Hogan was missing some games. Um, you know, Gronk missed a game or two. And, uh, you know, he, he put up some nice games. And I think he can still have a good year next year. But we've never seen him away from Drew Brees or Tom Brady. That's all we've seen. He's been with great quarterbacks and great offenses. And he's the type of receiver that, you know, he's not necessarily, you know, he needs probably a quarterback that can hit him, that can hit him deep. And, and Brady actually has missed him sometimes a lot this season. Um, but he, he needs a quarterback that, that can get the ball to him and an offense where, you know, they can, that there's enough for, to go around for him because he's been kind of the number one guy in his offenses. You know, M- Michael Thomas emerged last year when he was on the Saints, but, um, you know, uh, Cook still got his there. Um, and it was the type of offense where you could have two guys getting big, uh, big numbers. And same thing with the Patriots. You know, they, their, their offense is good enough that, like, you can have multiple guys, even if Cooks isn't even getting a ton of targets, he's getting enough and, and it's a good enough offense where he can get open. Um, I worry if the Patriots don't bring him back after next year and he goes somewhere else, I feel like his value could really kind of fall off a cliff fast. And that's not saying it will happen, but it could happen. So he's the kind of guy that I'd see if, you know, if any of my league mates value him more highly than I do, or maybe if, you know, I'm thinking that uh, I'm building a little more for the long term and, you know, I, I do think he can still have a very good year next year. You know, maybe I, I sell him to somebody who really is banking on that good year next year, whereas I'm, you know, maybe looking at 2019 more is when I'm going to be competing uh, hardcore. So he's a guy I might be trying to move if I have the opportunity. Yeah, I really like everything that you touched on there. I was a buyer of Brandon Cooks this offseason. And when you run projections, and, you know, I, I, I do this at a high level as well, right? And it, the numbers tell you Brandon Cooks is being overvalued right now. And, and, you know, every once in a while I still buy into, you know, a, a range of outcomes. And there's going to be an anomaly somewhere. And I thought Brandon Cooks could and should be that anomaly. Unfortunately, it didn't play out. I know, you know, last week I saw Silva tweet out a, a nice stat about, Brandon Cooks drawing some PI and, and some lost yardage there on the stat sheet. It, it really wasn't enough to offset. His, I was a little too high on him. So I'm with you there. I definitely like the sell call from Brandon Cooks. And I really like uh, your 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 thought process with Devontae Freeman. You know, De- Tevin Coleman, you know, I'm, I'm in the camp where, man, just give this guy some carries. I really love this guy. The, the ceiling could be immense. But Devontae Freeman, always, you know, the steady rock. And recency bias is going to pull people off of him. He didn't have the the stats here this this previous season. So I really like the call there. You mentioned him being locked into 2019. Everybody here on the site uh, listening to this show can be locked into Rotoviz through 2019 as well with a 30% discount to Rotoviz NFL Pass. That's at the NFL Podcast homepage at rotoviz.com slash podcast. That subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our premium NFL content and it also supports this very pod. You can also support the pod by subscribing to and rating the Rotoviz his radio channel 
on iTunes. If you're a fan of the show and you want to sub directly to the feed, you can do that as well. That's the Fantasy Football Mailbag feed. Pull up your app store. Simply type in Fantasy Football Mailbag. It's that simple, and then boom, we're going to pull right up. And if you have any questions you want answered on the Mailbag Show, hit us up via email, rotavisradio at gmail.com, or on Twitter, use the hashtag RVMailbag. All right, we'll go ahead and get down into some business, Sean, and fire up some of these QQs for the week. Here we go. Now that we know Pat Shermer is in town, what does this do for OBJ and Sterling Shepard? I own both and continue to get offers for Shepard, stating why I need to sell him because I also have Odell Beckham Jr. I'm not denying Eli looked atrocious, atrocious, excuse me, this year, but could he get a bump getting rid of Jeff Fisher East, he says. <laughs> This one hits close to home because I am a Giants fan. So um, <laughs> I, I will say that the Jeff Fisher East thing uh, might not be entirely accurate just because Jeff Fisher it, you know, is in a league of his own with his sustained. <laughs> There's uh, no replication, yeah. Yeah, but but McAdoo really did stink. I mean, I, watching that Giants offense every week, um, you know, they just throw out these three wide receiver sets, just no creativity, um, nothing really interesting going on. So I, I do think that, Shermer has to be an upgrade there. And uh, Eli looked bad. You know, he's not the Eli of old. He, you know, he never was one for moving around in the pocket much, but I mean, he went, went down or threw the ball away as soon as guys got, you know, even, you know, breathed on him. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, the offensive line is going to be an issue that if they can get the line and give Eli a little more time, he's always been the kind of guy where if he has time, he can sit in the pocket, he can hit his receivers. Um, I'm optimistic for Odell Beckham Jr., I think Shepard is a tougher call only because I don't know what that offense is going to look like with Shermer. Um, I think Shepard's a good player. I think he's like a very good possession receiver for them. It's just a question of how many targets he's going to get. Um, you know, obviously this season with, uh, Beckham going out early, you know, he cleaned up and got a lot of targets, um, as did Evan Engram. So, you know, with Odell Beckham back, who's that going to hurt more? Is it going to hurt Shepard more? Is it going to hurt Engram more? I mean, Engram had like, you know, one of the best seasons ever for a rookie tight end. But he also had, I think I was looking at this in one of my articles recently, he had maybe the second most targets for rookie tight end um, ever, just behind Jeremy Shockey. Um, or, and that's for a 21-year-old rookie tight end, I think, um, is the filter I applied to that. So, I mean, uh, you know, Engram looked great, but at the same time, you know, it was kind of out of necessity. No, I think he's still going to be a big part of this offense, but I think Beckham coming back could impact him a little more than Shepard. Um, but you know, with Shermer coming in, it's hard to say how he'll be used. So I think you can keep Beckham and Shepard on the same team. Um, and I'd at least hold Shepard to see if, you know, he can get off to a hot start. I, I, I might try to shop him this off season as well, but I mean, if people are trying to say, Hey, you got to get rid of Shepard and they're offering you like, you know, 50 cents on the dollar for him, then I don't think you need to do that. I think you can go into the season with him. You know, play him in your flex if you need to, even alongside OBJ if 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 it comes to that, and uh, you know, wait till he has a big game or two because I think that offense will look better no matter what. The next one here, John, is uh, Houston based here. DeAndre Hopkins, of course, is going to smash, but how are you treating the likes of Will Fuller and Lamar Miller next year? Hopefully, getting a full season of Deshaun Watson is Deontay Foreman a guy I should be looking to acquire as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Deontay Foreman. I mean, I had him. You know, when I was looking at the running back uh, rookie class going to this year, is you know one of the most undervalued guys. You know, you could get him at the the early second, you know, in dynasty uh, in dynasty rookie drafts, 
And um, I, I thought that was a steal that, you know, on uh, here on Rotoviz, we have the, the RB Prospect Lab, which takes a lot of inputs that, you know, look at, you know, production and athleticism uh, metrics have, you know, the, the specific metrics within those that have proven to be important for running back performance. And Dante Foreman was like, like, you know, scored a 99 out of 100. And I mean, very few guys are up in that rarefied air that, you know, he's big, he's fast, uh, relatively young. Um, put up crazy production numbers. Now, some of that raw production is, you know, system based, so he might be a little overrated based on that. But um, even even if you'd cut that back, you know, his score still would have been ridiculous. Uh, and when we got to see him play at the NFL level, he looked really good too. Uh, when they did give him the ball, you know, he made some big plays, and you know, he's definitely a guy I want to own. And his at this point too, his injury might open a buying opportunity. People, you know, especially if he's not going to be ready for the beginning of the season, which I, I'm kind of thinking he's not because I, I believe it was an Achilles injury, if I'm not mistaken. And I think those take a little longer to heal than like an ACL or something like that. So I, I don't think uh, he's going to be ready for the start of the season. So if you have an owner that, you know, especially as you get close to the start of the season, if they're saying, oh, he's not going to be ready for the start of the season and, you know, his his owner, you know, needs some bodies over there. Um, he's a guy you can definitely try to acquire and say, hey, you know, I can give you somebody that's useful right now, you know, and, you know, wait for his production to come later, hopefully. And on the flip side of that, you got Lamar Miller there and Miller's snap share, I think, and or his share of the rushing attempts actually went down this year, uh, even with Foreman, you know, missing half the year that they still find ways to get, you know, Alfred Blue into the mix over there. So um, uh, Miller was passable this year from a fantasy perspective, but you know, he was not great over there. Now that whole offense, you know, had issues once uh, Deshaun Watson went out, but um, I don't think that they're a hundred percent sold on Miller. So I, I think that Foreman eventually is going to take the reins over there. And I don't think it's necessarily going to happen in 2018 just because I think he's going to come back late. And, you know, Miller's definitely still going to be around, but um, he's the type of guy that I think that, you know, 2019 could be his real breakout or you never know late 2018 if, you know, there's injuries and the situation breaks. Right. But uh, he's a guy that I'd like to have on my team for sure. Um, as far as Fuller, I, I wrote a piece on Fuller this past off season saying that, you know, he was kind of a virtual lock for a hundred targets. He was going to perform really well. And, uh, he made a liar out of me with the hundred target thing that, you know, he, he was injured once again. And that, that is a concern with him. But when he did get targets, he just absolutely smashed with them. <laughs> um, I think, I think Watson's going to regress a little bit. I'm not, you know, like one of those who's really like a big time, believer that thinks he can keep that up. I mean, he was on pace to be like the QB one this season, you know, with what he was doing out there. And uh, a lot of people pointed out, you know, he threw up a lot of 50, 50 type passes as receivers kind of bailed him out on. But that being said, I, I think he can still be very good. You know, I, I mean, I don't think that what we saw was a complete fluke. You know, you don't really fluke your way into that, I think. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm bullish on Will Fuller. And, you know, I, I think part of the concern, you know, people say, Hey, can they sustain two wide receivers with DeAndre Hopkins there? You know, that Hopkins was getting a billion targets, you know. Uh, but if you look at Hopkins, you know, he had 174, 175 targets or something like that. And uh, I'd actually looked at him for something else where, you know, I was looking at since the year 2000, you had about 39 wide receivers who had greater than 170 targets in a season. And the following season of those 39, only eight had more than 170 again. You know, the average, you know, for that cohort was like 180 targets in year one. And then year N plus one is 139. 
So, I mean, it's not a lock that Hopkins is going to get those 170 targets. Again, now, whether that's like reduced passing volume in the offense, whether that be, that's because Fuller plays a full year and, and saps a couple, um, you know, it, it's hard to say. But I, I think Will Fuller can get enough targets and produce enough with them to be, you know, a, a worthwhile player to have. Yeah, I'm buying Will Fuller. I'm buying Deontay Foreman. I'm definitely buying the offense despite the regression I also anticipate alongside you there. I don't think Will Fuller necessarily makes DeAndre Hopkins overvalued. I do think Will Fuller is still going to be undervalued. Um, you know, how that target share is going to split out, I'm not quite sure. You know, I, I think Will Fuller was efficient enough that demands additional target share. I will say that, though. Um, so that that's going to be interesting to see play out there. Uh, John, what's been your biggest uh, tilt of the season? Whether it was season long, dynasty, DFS, you name it. You mean aside from uh, the entire Giants season this year? <laughs> I think that I think that should suffice. Yeah, we yeah, we can move um, on if it's too painful for you from that. No, no, yeah. <laughs> I think that uh, I had a couple dynasty leagues where I did not get a buy. I made it to week fourteen and you know first round of the playoffs, and then my teams just absolutely shit the bed. Um, and then they went on to just smash in week fifteen and sixteen. I think that's always one of the most tilting things and you know i mean the answer to that is hey be better and get the buy but um you know when when you get to that week 14 and, and your team really just underperforms and then the final two weeks and this happened to me last year too with with one of my big teams that um you know it underperforms in that week 14 and then makes it to week 50 like you know it's like hey if i'd made it through that week you know easily would have won the championship because the next two weeks my players all went off but I think in week 14, like I had like, you know, Greg Olson and this was like T premium and he put up like zero points or something like that. Um, and then the next week he put up, you know, 30, you know, it's just oh, one course. of those things that you can't really predict it. So, um, that, that was kind of tilting. And, uh, the other thing was I did the, I was doing the Terminator tournament article, um, this year where I, I entered the FFPC Terminator tournament. The, it's a tournament where you basically draft the best ball team with 26 players and then eliminate one each week. So at the final week of the season, you're down to just 10 players, um, in week 16 there. And, you know, 10 players is just enough to field the starting lineup. So it was, it was really fun. It was a cool experience. But my, my first running back I selected was, uh, you know, going back to it, uh, Devontae Freeman. And he's a guy that I did not draft in any of my other best ball leagues. Um, didn't touch him. The guy I had been targeting generally was Todd Gurley. And, uh, he's a guy I actually wrote something on too where, you know, I said, Hey, you know, Todd Gurley is locked in for volume this year. All he needs is a small increase in efficiency to really, really like, like be good that, you know, he's got the type of volume where like, you know, he, he could explode. Now I didn't expect anything close to what he ended up doing, but I still think he was a value at like the end of the first, you know, top of the second. And he was even go, going late second in a lot of situations. Um, I thought he was a great value there and I did draft him on most of my best ball teams. So I actually had a very good year in my other best ball leagues, but, um, in the Terminator tournament, you know, big money tournament there, um, I got cute. And I said, uh, you know what, I'm going to, uh, you know, Devontae Freeman, yay, split in touches with Tevin Coleman. But what if Tevin Coleman gets injured? You know, Todd Gurley's already locked into this volume. But if Freeman got th- that kind of volume, <laughs> you know, he, he could really explode, you know. So I, I kind of went against everything I was doing everywhere else and got cute with it and passed on Gurley to pick up Freeman. And that did not turn out so well for me. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I think we've all collectively been tilting Gurley in some way, shape, or the form. Like even when I had him, I lost this. You know, it all that's the proponent right there. Your tilt of the season and my tilt of the playoffs is everything needs to be switched over to cumulative points in the playoffs. I need to talk to my dynasty leagues and make that <laughs> happen. Uh, this next question, John. Uh, a few running back names here. Uh, we'll we'll make this one short and sweet here. Uh, give me a cut or a stash for Jamal. Williams. It depends on the depth. I'm an Aaron Jones guy. I mean, I'd still stash Williams, but if uh, again, I, I prefer Aaron Jones to him, so I'm not I'm not really high on Williams. I think that if I had to have it, I'd cut if if it's a shallow enough league where I would be doing that. Yeah, yeah, all relative to the size of the league, of course. You know, if you can sell them, um, do so. But I'm also an Aaron Jones guy. Uh, Cutter stash Joe Williams. Uh, I liked Williams coming in last year, Joe Williams, but uh, you know I'd have to go with cut. Uh, Breda looked pretty good. You've got Jeremy McNichols hanging around there too. We don't know what they're doing with Carlos Hyde yet. They've got a ton of cap space over there on the Niners. Um, you know I'm not holding him over a lot of more high value guys. Agreed. James Conner, cut stash. That's a tough one because that's kind of just reading the tea leaves. With <laughs> we have what no clue, Bell right? Does. Yeah, I mean, the latest was, you know, Bell was saying he was optimistic about getting a contract done. I, I tend to think Bell is going to end up staying there and that a lot of, you know, the stuff we've been seeing in the media is smoke and, you know, him trying to get the most money he can. I think, you know, if I had gone to my head, I'd say Bell stays in Pittsburgh. Um, and at that point, Connor's just a very high value backup, which in a lot of leagues, you know, that that's still worth holding a guy who's going to get zeros until, you know, the guy in front of him goes out. But, um, you know, in shallower leagues, you know, he, he, he could be cut, I think. Um, but it, if you can at all wait to find out what happens with Bell, I mean, that, that's obvious to play because obviously if Bell moves on, Connor's value shoots way up. Yeah, another player like Bell that we've been trying to figure out this offseason. Next question is Cardinal-specific here. Fork in the road there, Larry Fitzgerald. Is he going to stay or go, retire, whatnot here? And it seems like with the Cardinals here, John, they could either, you know, throw their chips in, try to get another quarterback here, or maybe they start building for the future. And if they do start building for the future here, what does that do for David Johnson here? Obviously, he's just going to be a workhorse, right? But, you know, if if they do hypothetically take that path and say, you know what, we couldn't get Kirk Cousins, we don't have enough, you know, firepower to make a run at it, and you you quickly realize they're they're at the, you know, precipice of rebuild there does it behoove them to give david johnson all that work so a lot of interesting storylines here what do you got yeah i mean i think with larry fitzgerald i'm gonna peg it at you know 50 50 because there's a lot of speculation that if arians retired and um, carson palmer retired that that fitzgerald would be gone too and they both have retired but he's still kind of hanging around um i think he's got you know, the second all-time receiving yardage, you know, uh, record book, you know, in his sights. I think if he plays one more season, it's it's achievable, or maybe it's second all-time in receptions. I don't remember which record it is, but it's one of those two um, that, that he, he, he could get in there. Um, you know, I don't think – I think if he was really committed to, to retiring when Carson Palmer did, he already would have done it. So I think there's a decent chance he still comes back. And that they, they make a run at it. Uh, uh, they just signed Mike McCoy as their offensive coordinator, I think, just today or yesterday. Um, you know, I don't know if I'm excited about that. I think that's probably a good thing for David Johnson because he's not afraid to use his running backs and, and to pass to him. So I, I think that that's uh, probably a positive sign. 
and you know I think also when you're looking at uh, as far as you know uh, th- you know they hired a uh, new head coach in Wilkes that you know is not somebody with uh, head coaching experience previously but you know bringing in a respected offensive coordinator that if you're going for the complete rebuild you know I think that you'd see you know you'd be more likely to see Larry Fitzgerald retire you know and uh, he might be willing to see who they get at quarterback. I think that's the other piece of the puzzle here that, you know, they've still got a good defense. They've been in the top like five or six in defense for the past three years. Um, so I think they still think their defense might be able to carry them if they can just, you know, get the right, you know, plug and play pieces on offense, get like a decent quarterback in there. Uh, so you've seen them linked to like Alex Smith and trade rumors. Um, they're probably going to be in on the Kirk Cousins sweepstakes, even though they're definitely not favorites for it. Um, you know, there's, there's other possibilities too. You know, you're going to have some other veteran QBs floating out there that they might say, Hey, if we can pick this guy up, we can take a shot. So, um, it might come down to, can they get one of these veteran quarterbacks over on their team and make like, you know, one more year of a run out of it? Cause the way they're operating, I have a feeling they'd like to make a run, but you know, maybe if they can't get the quarterback they want, then they decide to kind of pull the plug. Uh, you know, I think David Johnson, like I said, he's going to be a workhorse. I think he's going to be a top three running back as long as he's healthy. But I also would not predict the 400 point season he had two years ago either. You know, so yeah, you you know the signing that I think would work for Cardinals here. <laughs> the more I think about this, Alex Smith, Larry Fitzgerald coming back to town, that low A dot there. Just give, give me it. Give me all the give me all the passes to Larry <laughs> Fitz from Alex Smith. Give me all the dump offs to DJ there from Alex Smith. I know Arizona fans don't necessarily want to hear that, but uh, there, there we go. That's how we can uh, just kind of funnel that fantasy offense there. Uh, John, what's been your fantasy football? Uh, favorite fantasy football memory ever? You know, I, I think it was a few years ago in my work league. Um, and I can't, it kills me because I can't remember who the kicker was at this point that I'm pretty sure it was championship weekend. And uh, I only had my kicker going that night and he had a wide receiver from the other team going. I feel like it was like Denver, Oakland or something like that, but I, I can't quite remember. Um, that uh, he had a wide receiver going. I had a kicker going. We're kind of in a virtual tie. So I need my kicker to outscore his wide receiver to to win the championship. <laughs> and uh, it kind of came down to the wire, and I was losing by, like, you know, two and a half points or something. And, like, there was, like, I don't know, a minute left in the game, and the other team had the ball. And I'm like, well, I'm screwed here. And then there was, like, a turnover. There's a, a fumble recovery. Uh, you know, my, my, my kicker's team got the ball back, and he kicked the field goal as time ran out from like 48 yards, hit that field goal to win the championship for me. So that, that was that, that was a good night. I remember there was a lot of celebrating that. But on the flip side of that, my worst moment was the year before in that work league where I thought I was in the playoffs up until Tuesday and got stack correctioned out of it. And uh, that, that was a pretty brutal one. I think it was like it was some kind of ridiculous stack correction too. It was like a 10 yard stack correction on, I think it was like Le'Veon Bell or something. And it was just like, how do you fuck up 10 yards? Like where'd that come from? <laughs> that's only something, that that's something that would happen in the NBA for sure. <laughs> oh gosh. See, I, I have not run into that example in any of, in any of the leagues that I'm in. I, oh gosh, I, I don't wish it on anyone. I am very sorry. On behalf of the entire fantasy community, <laughs> I don't wish that on anybody. I mean, that is just the worst. Like, oh, gosh. I think that's a real rare one. Like, you hear about it every now and then. You'll see somebody like, oh, I got screwed by a stack correction. And this was, like, literally to get into the playoffs, though. And it was it was just one of those things where I was like, 
you know, like, oh, you got to be kidding. And, and I'd been walking around for like the, the two days before that, like, you know, it was a work league. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I beat this guy, I got in the playoffs, whatever. <laughs> you know, so these are people I'm seeing at work every day. You know, I wasn't being a dick about it or anything, but I mean, it was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, congrats, you're in there. And then like somebody came up to me on like Wednesday or Tuesday morning or whatever it was. And they're like, they're like, oh, hey, like, did you see your like, uh, you like you're out of playoffs and you know at that point you think they're fucking with you you know like like oh he's, he's oh he's smug kidding. as shit too he's real smug when he's telling you that too right? yeah it's it's like oh you're kidding <laughs> me right and then you go look at it and you're like oh, oh god he's not like that really happened oh gosh oh gosh that, that is not a fun water cooler experience right there <laughs> Uh, John, the next one we have here is about Mac Hollins uh, next year in Philly. Is he going to be fantasy relevant even if Torrey Smith gets cut? Uh, I know, I, I think it was you that was taking a look at this one most recently on on basically a free agent or potential cut preview. Torrey Smith could potentially get cut. No dead cap space there. Um, he, so can Mac Hollins be relevant? And then also Chris Godwin. Uh, could he break out next year? Is he still hamstrung by Deshaun Jackson, who's still under contract. Yeah, so I think Hollins is going to be kind of one of those fringe guys. Like, I mean, if you assume Torrey Smith will get cut, and it really looks like he'll get cut, that he's like $5 million against the cap and no dead money, and he really was not all that good this year. And then the Eagles are really strapped for cap, cap space. So, I mean, like, they've got a ton of guys they'd love to resign, and like, not just offensive players, but defensive players, linemen, I mean, everything where you know, it, it looks like almost a sure thing Torrey Smith gets cut. So if we just go under the assumption he gets cut and Mac Hollins takes over his role because he was used, you know, on some deep targets this year and say, hey, he'll kind of take Torrey Smith's role. I mean, Torrey Smith wasn't a guy you really wanted to own in fantasy this year. So Hollins might be better than Torrey at this point in their careers, but it's also not an extremely valuable role. So he's not a guy like I'm necessarily targeting in a redraft league or a shallow dynasty league. But in deeper dynasties, I definitely like them have him on my team. And I think that, you know, in a, in a DFS setting, um, you know, he might be like one of those guys that, uh, you know, on a certain week, you might say, Hey, this, this team gives up, you know, some decent shots to deep ball, or maybe they have a corner that really shuts down the number one wide receiver where you could say, Hey, maybe there'll be some more targets to go Hollins his way that he might be a good guy to play like somewhere, you know, on a week or two on like a real cheap shot basis, you know, um, as for Godwin, I like Godwin. I own Godwin in a couple spots. Um, but I, I do think that the idea that he's hamstrung by DJX could be true, that I don't think they're getting rid of Deshaun Jackson this offseason. I think they're going to ride with him another year in Tampa Bay. Um, they should be bringing Adam Humphreys back. And I think Godwin's snaps will go up from where they were this year, that you know he showed enough late in the season to say, hey, you know I need to be on the field more. But I kind of feel like he's not going to have a breakout breakout per se. So um, you might have to buy him now if you want him for 2019 where like a real kind of breakout could come that, yeah, like there's a good chance to extend Mike Evans. Um, so he'll always have that competition there. But, you know, you, you can he could be a good wide receiver, too, over there. You know that uh, I think that you'd be buying him for 2019, so you'd have to maybe buy him now, you know, and then hope either you know, there's an injury in 2018, you know, he can break out that way, or that you're holding him just with the ex- expectation that hey, it would be a lot more expensive at the end of 2018 to get him, you know, because he will have some more snaps and and look good. So um, I wouldn't, you know, I'm not like like uh, you know burning up to buy him right now. If you have him, I think he's definitely a hold. Um, if you don't have him, I think that. 
you know, you can check the price on them. And if it's worthwhile, pull the trigger. But if they're asking too much for him, maybe ride into next year and see if he, you know, just kind of, you know, does something similar to what he did this year. Has a few more snaps, but doesn't really do a whole heck of a lot. You know, maybe his price won't go up that much. But I wouldn't be buying him expecting him to be a guy I can plug in every week this year, um, you know, in my starting lineup. Agreed. Uh, next question here about Jay Ajayi back to Philly here. Can he be a potential workhorse next year or is he simply, is that not in the cards for him based on either the coaching scheme or his, uh, player profile, so to speak. I think you touched on this one on, in that article. Well, you, maybe not you didn't touch on him, but yeah, talk to us about, uh, what, what they have from a contract perspective there in the backfield. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, uh, LeGarrette Blount's a free agent, and, you know, they could bring him back, but it can be cash-strapped. They're probably going to go with some kind of a cheaper option. Uh is definitely going to be there. You know, he's he's cheap and under contract. Um, you know, I think I can see him having a bigger role than he did this year, but I don't know that they're ever going to be use anybody as a workhorse in that offense. Um, there's also a good chance, you know, Darren Sproles isn't coming back. He's a free agent. He's expensive. So, um you might be looking at uh, one name to remember is Donnell Pumphrey. Um, you know, he's a guy they drafted last year, and he, he didn't really do anything in the preseason. He wasn't looking great there, but then he got injured and missed the entire year. Um, I was actually, you know, speaking of you know getting some calls wrong, I was actually the, the week before they traded for Jai, I was advocating uh, Wendell Smallwood as a buy. Um, saying that, you know, oh, it looks like Philly might be ready to give him some more touches and he's ready to take over that backfield or something along those lines. And then they made that trade and, you know, Smallwood was pretty much, you know, a non-factor the rest of the year. He was pretty um, much so Smallwood at that point, right? What's up? He was pretty much Smallwood at that point. Yeah, he was He was Smallwood, yeah. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll, yeah, I, I won't save that joke. I, I'll probably <laughs> edit that one out because it's so horrible. But yeah, so so he's gosh, Swindle Smallwood. Yeah, yeah, what can you do? I mean, you're looking at the backfield and that's what you see. I mean, you can't anticipate they're gonna make that trade, but they did there. So I mean, uh, that's just another tilting experience there. I was with Jay Ajayi. I did like him going over to Philadelphia. I didn't think they were going to uh committee up that backfield as much as they did. So uh, yeah, you gotta think they're gonna go to the draft here. Uh by cutting a guy like Torrey Smith, you can bring on a couple rookie contracts at that point, one at running back, one at wide receiver, and see what you got there. Uh, the next one here, John, we have Fuck, Mary Kill. Do people have this backwards? So we have Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, and Lamar Jackson. Now, wait, what am I doing with two, quote-unquote, second-tier quarterbacks here <laughs> with a first-tier quarterback? What do you got for us here, John? Yeah, I think this is a pretty easy one. I mean, uh, here at Rotoviz, we're, we're about the stats. We're about production generally. Um, not about, you know, film and measurables or, uh, you know, just uh, raw athleticism. Um, you know, I, I'd marry Baker Mayfield here. He's got some eye popping stats. Um, you know, his, his production's just been great. Uh, you know, uh, the, the arguments against him, you know, there's some attitude stuff, you know, personality stuff. There's uh oh you know whatever it he's was the next offense. Johnny Manziel. Yeah, I mean I don't <laughs> I don't see that at all. You know there there's only one Johnny Manziel, thank goodness. So <laughs> um, it, I, you know I've seen that and you know here at here at Rotoviz, uh, you know pretty much everybody here I I think is pretty high on Baker Mayfield. Um, Lamar Jackson, uh, I'd fuck Lamar Jackson. 
You know, he's uh, he's an exciting guy, and like, who knows what's going to happen with him? You know, he's not a guy that I'm like, you know, tying my horse to here and saying, yeah, he's going to be the guy. But like, you know, he's got upside. He's got some serious upside coming out here, and uh, you know, I'd like to see what he can do. And I, I don't, you know, all the narrative always should be a wide receiver. I mean, get out of here with that. You know, he's he's been a good enough quarterback that you know he he can he deserves a shot to to you know see if he can do it in the NFL. Um, and Josh Allen, just I mean, come on. You know, I mean, I understand he's big and he's got a big arm or whatever, but I mean, his, his college stats, I mean, when compared to, uh, you know, pretty much anybody, they're just, just really poor looking. Like the cohort he's in for um, what he's done, you know, you got to sit there, you know, people making excuses for receivers, making excuses for the offense he ran. Oh, he had bad receivers. Oh, he's in bad offense. This, that, and the other thing. Um, you know, I, I, I can't buy into any of that. You know, I mean, uh, sure, he's he's big and... Um, you know, you can look at him as a project, but the, the people talking about him going first overall, and I mean, it wouldn't it be the most Browns thing ever for the, them to take him and him to just bomb out. Like, oh, you know, gosh. first overall a prospect who, let's be honest, like no matter what you want to say about the guy, like, oh, he's, you know, the, the positives you had for him, he's not a first overall type quarterback. That That's the type of quarterback where you have, you know, he's got where the quarterback's got the athleticism, the arm and the production. That's the kind of guy you take first overall. I mean, not the guy who you know, looks kind of good, but hasn't really produced like that. That's like an end of the first beginning of the second round type of quarterback, you know? <laughs> so, um, uh, I'm killing Josh Allen. Get him out of here. I can't add anything different than what you said. Other than Baker Mayfield is a G. We are here answering all your fantasy questions this week with John Lipinski at FF Ski Ball on Twitter of Rotoviz here at Rotoviz Radio's the fantasy football mailbag. Hey, Rotoviz fans, Jeremy Hart, Rotoviz Radio. You are still able to get a listener's only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. A subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our NFL content, and it also supports the pod. Whether it's the Dynasty ADP app or the Dynasty Trade Calculator or the Box Score Scout or the Running Back Prospect Lab and the Prospect Heat Map, in-depth rookie prospect analysis at every single position, Dynasty mock drafts with analysis, and of course, the acclaimed Rotoviz screener app and Freak Score Calculator. All of these apps, tools, and analysis is available, again, for a 30% discount, which is applied for the calendar year, so it's not too late to get a head start on winning your championship. Also, be sure to subscribe to and rate the Rotoviz radio channel on iTunes. If you like what we do, that's great because we certainly love doing it. Go ahead and help us find new listeners and hit that rate button out there on iTunes. Again, I'm Jeremy Hart with Rotoviz Radio. Go ahead and take advantage of a 30% discount through the Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. All right, jumping right back in here. Here we go. John, Jarek McKinnon wants to be the guy. Jarek McKinnon wants to be the guy. I saw you tweet him uh, 
you meaning me, I saw you tweet him uh, to New England, and Eric McClung brought up Tennessee in that thread as well. Can he be the guy, or should I use this to sell him? Maybe I'm asking the wrong person since you're a truther. All right, so I have been known, John, to be a Jarek McKinnon truther, <laughs> CJ Prosize, Christian Michael. Now, now Jarek McKinnon, you know, he's, he's the spark guy, Prosize. Both these guys, athletes, had more production than Christian Michael here. So, I, you know... I can't help it. I can't help it. So, you know, keep me honest. Yeah. So uh, what, what is it? Purple Jesus? Is that the nickname for him among, <laughs> among you truthers? Something, Something like, like that. that. Yeah. Even that doesn't even do him service. <laughs> um, You know, I think Jarek is pretty good, but uh, I just have to say that I think that there's a lot of running back talent around the league right now. Yeah. And I think, yeah. you know, this draft, we've got another good draft coming up that, you know, I looked at the last draft and, you know, this, this last class that came in was, you know, one of the best, it was the best class of the last five years, hands down. This next class coming in with 2018 um, it could rival it. You know, I don't know if it's going to be better, but it, it could be right up there with it. Um, so I think we're kind of seeing a renaissance with a lot of, you know, young, good running back talent coming in. And, you know, a lot of people have made the argument of whether that matters or not. But I, I, I think it does matter. I think that there's, you know, uh, even if it's hard to tease out from the stats that you can't say, oh, like, you know, all running backs are just the same thing and it's all opportunity offensive line. Um, so I think it, the, the tough thing is going to be, you know, for him to get a premium role somewhere would have to mean that, you know, he goes somewhere where there's like no other real strong competition. You know, he got a decent role this year with Dalvin Cook going down. But even then, you know, Latavius Murray, you know, was still got the bulk of the carries over there. Um, you know, McKinnon can catch the ball, you know, and it'll be good. But I would not be paying for him in any way that would suggest he's going to be, you know, uh, the leader of a running back by committee type of deal. And if anybody's thinking that he's going to be a workhorse somewhere, you know, that's right out, in my opinion. But, yeah. uh, you know, if you can get him on the cheap, you know, definitely go for it. I think he will be playing and be a useful piece somewhere, but uh, I wouldn't be paying for him like he's going to have a major, major role on any team. Yeah, believe it or not, I, I actually have learned from my mistakes. And I mean, you're right. Positional scarcity is a thing, and it doesn't exist for running backs right now. You really got to wait till 2019 for the crop, crop of uh, wide receivers to come out here in bulk like we've seen the running backs right now. And as much as I love Jarek McKinnon, he is going to be a much better suited complement type of running back. So, yeah, if, if you can sell him on the, the hope and dream that he's going to be a workhorse running back, then go ahead and do it because, I, you know, it's, it's going to be much more difficult for him to realize that assumption. There it is. All right. Uh, legit question, but does Trey Burton hold more value than Jordan Reed at this point? Oh. It's it's come to this, huh? Wow. Oh gosh, I think Burton's an uh, interesting sleeper. You know, I mean, he's undersized for a tight end. That he's a tight end, but he's like he's like six two, two twenty, or something like that. He's not a big dude, um, so he's not your typical you know hand on the ground tight end. Um, ne- neither is Jordan Reed, but Jordan Reed's bigger than he is, I believe. Um, you know, it's it's always hard to parse injuries in dynasty, and I mean, Jordan Reed's been one of the most injured players out there. Uh, when he's been on the field, though, he's been great. So it's just it, – it's really tough to take a guy in Burton who has had limited work, you know, just in one system that's, you know, pretty tight end friendly. Um, and in situations where, you know, you can look at his stats and say they're good, but you can also say, you know, hey, like some of those stats are coming in situations where he might not be getting the tightest coverage. He's on the field as a second tight end. 
you know, and nobody's looking at him to catch the pass. Now he did do well in the games that um, uh, Ertz missed this year, you know, so you can look at that and say, Hey, when he was a standalone tight end, he did really good. You know, with the Eagles cap situation, uh, it's not, you know, it's a possibility. He, he does go back there that he's, you know, one of the guys that they try to bring back. I think he probably will leave that somebody will be willing to pay him more money. But at the same time, you know, there's still a chance, you know, he ends up, you know, sitting behind Zach Ertz on the Eagles still. Um, you know, I, I think it's a smaller chance, but it's still there. And uh, even if he does move on from there, you know, the question is, is he going to go to a team that's going to be willing to make him their guy? Because it's going to be at the team that, <coughs> excuse me, um, is willing to use him. It's going to have to be a team that's willing to use him. You know, in the role where he's primarily a pass catcher, and they're not asking him to do a whole lot of blocking at 220 pounds. So, um, I think that that kind of limits where he goes and like how much playing time he might necessarily see. So, um, I'd still hold Jordan Reed over Trey Burton, but it's a lot closer than it really should be. Yeah. <laughs> based on where things were a year ago. With you there as well. All right, John, your most embarrassing moment you dare to share. Yeah, I had to think about this one a little bit and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm definitely have many, many embarrassing moments in my life. Um, but one, you know, you ever have those embarrassing moments that kind of like stick with you and they're like, it's like some small thing, uh, you know, from yes. somebody you're never going to see again, but you just remember you did or said something that made you feel like a real ass and like, you'll be lying in bed at night and it'll some like creep into your thoughts and you're like, like, why am I thinking about that? Why was I such a, like a spaz, you know? Like, what was that about? And for me, it was, um, there was a time I was like maybe nine or 10 years old and I was at like my parents' company picnic and there was a kid there that was like, I don't know, like, you know, 14 or 15, but you know, you know, when you're nine or 10, that seems like an adult, you know? Um, but I was hanging out with this cool older kid or, you know, I thought he was cool at the time. And he was talking about, uh, Allison Chains, the band. And I responded with something about Alice Cooper. Because I didn't know who Allison Chains was, but I think I knew Alice Cooper from watching Wayne's World um, <laughs> at the time. And like, I don't think he was even really a dick about it. Like, 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 oh, you dumb kid, you don't know what you're talking about or anything. But like, he was like, no, dude, like, you know that, you know that's that's Alice Cooper. I'm talking about Allison Chains. It's one of those things where like I really felt like an idiot. Um, and like, like I I couldn't tell you what the kid looked like. I don't know his name. I don't know who he was. I never saw him again after that. Um, but it's just one of those random moments that, like, literally, I can remember to this day. It stuck with me. <laughs> Mealy Walkay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and what you know what's crazy about this whole thing is there are probably about fifty percent of the audience out there that has not seen Wayne's World. I mean, that's that's kind of sad when I think about it. I mean, I would recommend anybody listening to this uh, podcast that has not seen Wayne's World to please go, go out and listen to it. You know post haste you know just get out and do it as soon as you you know wait till the end of the podcast please you know and then then go watch wayne's world do yourself a favor i'm sure it's on one of those streaming services yeah yeah i mean that is your homework assignment for this show go see <laughs> wayne's world all right dynasty uh what are the raiders going to do next season michael crabtree Jared cook marshawn lynch and cordero patterson could all potentially be cuts uh which do they keep and can Carr even be good yeah, so I think that um, Derek Carr, uh, you know, it's going to come a lot down to what John Gruden's going to do there. That, uh, you know, <laughs> watching Gruden in the booth these, you know, past several years, and then having him come back down, like I, I like Gruden, you know, but he's 
I don't know if he's still like completely with it. Like if he's going to be able to just hop right back into the today's NFL and just like like never miss a beat, you know. So I'm a little concerned about that. You know, he's assembling an interesting staff over there, but um, I don't think Derek Carr is ever going to necessarily live up to you know what what people were predicting he could. I actually just traded him away in a dynasty league for like not that much. Um, you know, part of that is, you know, in a lot of these, uh, there's a shallower league where quarterbacks aren't really highly valued. This is a team that already had Russell Wilson. So, um, he was, he was pretty expendable. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think Carr could settle in as like, you know, a mid tier quarterback, but you know, I don't think he's necessarily ever going to be like a top five type of guy. And in dynasty, you know, if he's not going to be, you know, if he doesn't have that kind of ceiling, you know, he's not a guy that I'd really be, excited to own you know i'd say hey you know i can not necessarily stream but you know i want to take a shot on somebody with a bit higher upside um marshawn lynch is an interesting case their new offensive coordinator recently i know at a press conference was dodging questions about him so you know there's a lot of speculation that he's going to be on his way out i mean he actually played pretty well through the second half of the season um, but you know, a lot of people said, "Oh, John Gruden's kind of a disciplinarian. Is he going to put up with you know Marshawn Lynch's uh, you know, quote unquote antics?" You know, and uh, you know, people point to the kneeling stuff. I mean, you know, I don't know if Gruden cares about that or not. I don't know if he's made any uh, you know remarks about that. But you know, Marshawn Lynch definitely uh, marches to the beat of his own drummer. So it's like, you know, if Gruden really is looking to discipline him, you know, that maybe maybe the two are not going to mesh. That being said, I actually just bought Marshawn Lynch in one league on the cheap because you never know. Maybe he comes back and maybe that offense turns around. Um, so for the cost of, you know, like a late third round pick, you know, what the hell, you know, take a shot. So, um, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty there, but, you know, sometimes uncertainty gives you buying opportunities. The way um, you describe John Gruden coming in there, <laughs> I don't know why, but it, it was like what you just mentioned. Somehow, like, a thought creeps into your head and then you can't stop thinking about it, right? That's just, <laughs> that's what just happened to me. So John Gruden is Billy Madison going back to high school. <laughs> I like that. That's exactly what John Gruden is. He's pulling up to high school, rocking his classic rock. He's got his rock t-shirt on with the with the jean jacket. He pops a collar. He thinks he's cool as shit, and then everybody just starts cracking up at him. Right? That's yeah. That's going to be John. That could Gruden. be how it works out. It really could be, and I'm afraid <laughs> that that's what's going to happen. But you never know. I mean, you know, especially if he puts good people around him, he might he might have a staff that um. You know, if he's just running the show and he lets other people, you know, like really run the schemes, you know, I mean, may- maybe he can put it together. I mean, heck, the guy won a Super Bowl. Can't take that away from him. So I, we talked about Wayne's World. I feel like there's also 50 percent, like the other 50 percent that hasn't seen Wayne's World. Well, well, that's probably the same group that also has not seen Billy Madison. Billy Madison. Yeah, true. True. If you've seen one, you've probably seen the other. And if you haven't seen one, then you've seen neither. Yeah, yeah. See, you gotta like people get on this. If you haven't seen Wayne's World and Billy Madison, please tweet at us uh, again. That's ff underscore skee ball. I'm the gumshoe, right? And you need to let us know when you see these movies, and and you'll know. It will know. Like you, you gotta you gotta send us a gif. I'm sure there's some classic gifts for Billy Madison out there. Oh gosh, want to Here, touch here's the, the, here's the thing. If, if you have people looking at um. You know, like more modern day Mike Myers and Adam Sandler, they'd be like, why, why are you telling me to go watch a movie with these guys? They're not funny. You know, the people, the, you know, some of the younger listeners might not realize that these guys, when they were at the top of their game, were, I mean, those movies were hilarious back in the day. Nowadays, you know, not so much. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's true. Any Anytime Billy Madison comes on the TV, though, like, there's no way I'm turning the channel. No way. Forget about it. Not happening. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> All right, next one here. I'm sitting on Duke Johnson everywhere. Everywhere. Is this going to be the biggest hype train of the offseason? Will he be worth it? Isn't there a path for Cleveland taking both their quarterback of the future and Saquon Barkley? So what do we got here? We've got the Todd Haley narrative here and, and how he's treated running backs. Could that be Duke Johnson or, you know, I, I I have to admit, I mean, geez, what if they do take Josh Allen and Saquon Barkley? I mean, I feel like under this new coaching regime, that's kind of a more probabilistic outcome. Oh gosh. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm first of all, I'm riding the hype train right along with you that I, I own a lot of Duke Johnson. I drafted him a lot in best ball this year too. I was I was all in on Duke, and you know he paid off this year. He had a, he had a pretty good season. Um, you know. Yeah, with the old front office, there's no way they'd be drafting Allen and Barkley. Um, with the new front office, <laughs> it feels like like they went the exact opposite direction, and that that's what's going to happen. That they're going to go ahead and you know like like completely go away from the analytics and just draft the the film guys, which would mean you know taking the quarterback that looks the part, you know, even if he's you know not uh, necessarily producing, taking taking a running back really high because he looks like a transcendent talent, even though, you know, no matter how good Barkley is, it's just a question of, you know, spending your draft capital on a running back up there is, is just not that smart that, you know, there's just other positions that, that mean more that, you know, I was saying earlier that yes, like, you know, not all running backs are created equal, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you need to draft a running back in the first five picks. Ding, and ding, I think ding, we've ding, seen ding. how that plays out. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I, I, you know, as far as Duke's value though, you know, there's so many scenarios in the draft. You know, there's so many mock drafts, and so many of them end up being completely wrong. Um, uh, you know, there's so much that could happen between now and draft day that I'm not going to get too worried about Barkley until I see, you know, maybe maybe there's, like, some more smoke there or something like that. Um, I'm not too concerned about that at the moment, but um, it's in the back of my head. You know, as, as we approach draft, I mean, that's, you know, I know, like, last year, that's when I was really looking at making a lot of moves to say, you know, you, you have all the speculation of who's going where and what's going to happen. And like, you know, uh, you look at the, uh, on Rotoviz, we got the, um, Dynasty ADP app that, you know, looks at, you know, the ADP throughout, you know, the Dynasty startup, uh, and rookie draft season. And, um, you can see where, like, when the draft happens, you know, values just like, like go either one way or the other for a lot of guys that, you know, certain guys, their value just like drops off a cliff and other guys, it skyrockets. You know, basing based on you know how the draft goes. That uh, you know, I mean, look at um, trying to think of some examples from last year that uh, you know, guys, I was like, oh, like they're definitely going to draft whatever. I mean, the, the you know, Ty Montgomery, I think, benefited somewhat last year where they're like, oh, they're going to draft a running back high, and they end up drafting two running backs, but they didn't take them until the fourth and fifth round. And you know, sure, like you know, Montgomery, uh, you know, got hurt and then you know had all these issues, but. You know, he did start the year with like these 90% snap shares and everything like that. Like he's the type of guy who, before the draft, um, people weren't really valuing that much because they're like, "Oh, Green Bay's gonna gonna you know draft a running back high, or they're gonna sign a big name free agent," and then it just didn't happen. Um, so you have like buying opportunities like that where you can buy a guy who you think, you know, who people think is gonna get you know challenged by a draft pick, or you have the opportunities where you can sell guys that you know people think you know, oh, that team's not going to draft position X, and then they do. Um, you know, Latavius Murray, 
looked, you know, real sexy up until the point they drafted Dalvin Cook. And, you know, things ended up working out there. But, I mean, you know, that's one of those things where you say, you know, and I mean, I, I don't think the Vikings necessarily went and planned to draft a running back. He just fell that far. But it's good to recognize that, hey, there's all this uncertainty that just because, you know, the mock drafts have, like, this team drafting this guy or saying, oh, this team's going to be looking at this position, you never know what's going to happen. So I, I try not to, like – get too far into the draft of like what everybody thinks is going to happen. I try not to buy into it too much. And I feel like you can kind of find some value there by saying, Hey, you know, this isn't going to go the way everybody thinks. So I'm going to try to exploit that. More sage advice. Indeed. All right, John, what was the worst job you ever had? You know, I haven't had any really terrible jobs, like as a whole job, but I've, I've always worked in the environmental field. And when I was starting out of college, I was doing a lot of uh, field work that involved, you know, sampling at uh, all sorts of different locations, you know, commercial, residential, industrial. Um, but it did involve sampling a lot of waste streams from sanitary waste. So you'd be sampling, uh, you know, legit, like, you know, shit water and stuff coming out of the toilets and everything. You know, you'd, you'd you know, open up a manhole and sample out of there. There's one time where I had to sample a, a like, 100,000-gallon tank at a dairy farm um, that was used to store all the cow shit. So I had to uh, climb up a ladder to the top of this tank and take samples out of there. So that that was kind of interesting. See, now when um, you say you had to sample it, like I'm picturing you literally going in there and sampling it, like putting your finger <laughs> in there. <laughs> yeah, I, well, what I did was I dipped my finger in to take a taste. You know, it was taste testing. So um, no, I uh, yeah, you, you you drop something in there, like a bottle on a rope or like on a pole or something like that. But um, you know, it, it's you know, you go out there and you're like, oh, my day to day is going to involve shit. Um, so, you know, I mean, it wasn't necessarily terrible, but, um, it was something that like, you know, could be kind of foul at times. Yeah. I mean, you were only sampling it, right? Like there was, there's other people on the other end of that. Oh yeah. Perspective is always everything. Perspective (laughs) is always everything. (laughs) All right. uh, Next one here, Alvin Kamara in a first or Ezekiel Elliott. And where would you slot Corey Coleman in this year's draft? I would definitely take Kamara in a first uh, over Zeke. I agree. You know, and I'm not the biggest Kamara guy either. Um, I think you know, uh, you know, he's not gonna he's not gonna have a career you know six plus yard per carry average. You know, he's gonna come back to earth somewhat. But um, you know, he's young. He's on the Saints. You know, I mean, Drew Brees won't be around forever, but you know, Sean Payton might be there a while. Um, that's a good offense. He looks like a good player. Um, he catches the ball, and you know, you're getting him and a first versus Ezekiel Elliott, who, you know, is definitely a workhorse over there in Dallas. But, you know, you also got, you know, if he slips up again in any way, shape, or form off the field, you could be looking at some suspension concerns too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the, the you know, I think the two players are, you know, I'd, I'd take Zeke over Kamara in a vacuum. But if you're giving me the first with Kamara, uh, I'm probably taking Kamara in the first there. Uh, as far as Corey Coleman, that's a tough one. You know, I, I, I liked Corey Coleman coming out. But um, I don't know if he's just gotten Browns so far, you know, like, like, oh, he's on the Browns. Like that just kills everybody. Um, you know, even though I was just saying how much I like Duke Johnson, but, uh, you know, the, the injuries he's had, you know, I think twice it's been a hand injury. And like, unless you think that like, um, you know, breaking your hand is like a chronic condition, which I'm guessing it's not. I've never heard of that before. <laughs> like, like this guy's got fragile hands. Um, <laughs> Edward Zetter hands. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, Corey Fragile Hands over here. So, there's um, another movie, half of the audience. Oh, gosh, we're just old. We're getting old, John. 
Yeah, definitely too old. I, I bet these kids have never even played Edward Forty Hands, which you know that's something that the young the young kids could probably get into. Um, that's ageless. But, uh, that's definitely ageless. <laughs> uh, Corey Coleman, I think that um, in a dino, you know, you're probably looking at him in like the fifth or sixth round of a startup because he he still is young. He's still got that upside to him, and that that's around where things really start thinning out with guys that you could say, hey, here's a wide receiver who could break out. That you know, we're we're kind of you saw what wide receivers did this year. You know, it was kind of like the you know apocalypse for them as far as like production goes. That you know, I think everybody's saying, hey, it's kind of thinning out here. Like, like, you know, who are you going to draft? And, you know, but you got Josh Gordon over there now who should be there at least another year. And, you know, there's there's free agent rumors like, oh, they're going to bring in Terrell Pryor. They're going to bring him back. We don't know what they're doing at quarterback yet because, I mean, if they do draft Josh Allen, Josh Allen, he busts like, you know, literally every other Browns quarterback, um, you know, you know, that's going to hurt Coleman's value. You know, if they bring in a good one, maybe, maybe they finally, you know, like uh, pick the right guy, you know, and, and that helps them. Um, so I I'm did, thinking like maybe fifth, sixth rounder of a dino, 10th or 11th and redraft maybe. Um, that's my initial thoughts, but I, I haven't really started putting together my rankings yet for uh, this coming season too, too in depth. Fair, fair enough. Now, I just saw him go for rookie 1.8. Would you take the 1.8 or would you take Corey Coleman? I'd probably take the 1.8, but. Yeah, based on where with where this draft it is, I'd probably take the one eight. But uh, you know, I I I don't think that's like too far off. Only because you know, he's kind of a post hype sleeper kind of guy. You know, th- there's still the chance with him, but I'd gladly trade him for. Mm, yeah, I, I think that's probably about right, somewhere in that neighborhood. I, I could even see him going a little bit lower. Fair enough. I'll still take Coleman there. I don't have much to go on. But uh, just, you know, the production profile, you know, anything bad that can go wrong went wrong in terms of, you know, his play, our inability to play, quarterback situation, Hugh Jackass, Jackson. Um, <laughs> yeah, give, give me give me Corey Coleman still. I'll go ahead and just sit on my hands here and wait. All right, movie within a movie time, John. Take movie ones, cast the characters, pick them up, move them into a completely different movie's plot. What is the new movie, and how does it play out? I'm going to go... Uh, the cast of Shaun of the Dead gets dropped into the movie Blade. <laughs> and instead of, uh, badass vampire hunter Blade going around killing everybody, it's, it's Shaun and, and his crew kind of bumbling their way through, uh, you know, smacking up the vampires with, you know, his cricket bat and stuff. <laughs> now, what if, what if you took Wesley Snipes? That was Blade, right? Wesley Snipes? Yeah. We yeah. take him and put him in Shaun of the Dead. That that movie would end very quickly because zombies would not stand a chance. I mean, he just <laughs> he just tear through everything right there. So, uh, I think that uh, the the daywalker would uh, make short work of the Shaun of the Dead zombies. <laughs> nicely done, nicely done. All right, Dynasty. Uh, Keenan Allen or Melvin Gordon in a second, and then uh, would you cut bait on Eric Ebron if you could get George Kittle plus? Um, I'd probably go with Keenan Allen there. Uh, I like Keenan Allen. I, I think that, you know, his, the narrative, the injury narrative on him was probably a bit overrated as far as, um, you know, uh, the one time, what it was, his spleen or something, lacerated spleen. You know, I mean, that's not something that's, you know, you can really control. Um, 
I don't think this is, again, I don't think this is too far off that I think that if you're a team, depending on your needs, I could see making that move, you know, Keenan Allen from Melvin Gordon is second. Um, you know, value wise, I think that's actually a very like evenish kind of trade. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, personally, you know, I do own Keenan Allen a couple spots and, uh, you know, it comes down to, you know, valuing wide receivers over running backs too. And just, you know, looking at their, you know, longevity and everything that you, you kind of bank on the wide receivers saying, you know, Hey, they're going to have this longevity there. And, um, I, I'd probably stick with Keenan Allen in that case. And the second part of that, would you cut bait on Ebron if you get Kittle plus? Ebron, uh, you know, I thought Ebron would at the very least, you know, get like the serious volume this year. And then during the middle of the year, they kind of cut him out and he, he kind of came on late. You know, he went through the middle of the year where they were like giving him, you know, 40, 50 percent snaps and, you know, barely throwing the ball. And then, you know, towards the end of the year, he started picking it back up. You know, he's got a really good profile, uh, you know, as far as, you know, his, uh, you know, coming out of college and everything. And he, he has produced as a pro, just not with the touchdowns. You know, his vertical in, col- in uh, the combine wasn't that great. And, you know, he, he's had issues with drops. You know, I still think he's young enough and good enough that I, I kind of, um, I'd probably stick with Ebron, uh, but definitely over Kittle because I'm not a huge Kittle believer either. That I know he looks like the guy there over in San Fran now that they're, they're, you know, they went young over there. They got rid of Vance McDonald. Um, but I, I'm not sure Kittle's ever going to be anything special. And I think there's still a chance Ebron, you know, uh, ends up being, you know, a pretty good, you know, perennial T1 type of guy. Not, not, you know, the T1, but like, you know, a top 12. Um, Kittle, I'm not so sure. So, uh, I, I'd probably stick with Ebron over Kittle. Agreed. Yeah, he he's still so young. I mean, he was such a young prospect, and and getting drafted so early there. I mean, yeah, I'm still gonna stick with Ebron. He still had a very similar touchdown red zone rate to the receivers over there in town. So yeah, I'll stick with Ebron as well. John, if you can go anywhere, past, present, future, where or when would you go? Uh, in another reference nobody's going to get, um, I'm going to go with the, the uh, words of the immortal Weird Al and say I'd go back to last Thursday night so I can pay my phone bill on time. Um, <laughs> but since, since nobody probably uh, will get that one, uh, let me say I will try to go a thousand years in the future, you know, just, just under the hope that humanity has somehow achieved like, you know, some earthly nirvana where we've eradicated all diseases. There's nothing other to do than just sit around and watch, you know, watch football, have fun, you know, just experience, you know, consequence, free pleasure. Um, you know, unfortunately, the reality will probably be it's, you know, dystopian hellhole. But, you know, if you're going to play the game, you got to play to win. So, you know, uh, aim big, win big. <laughs> there you go. Go hard or go home. All right. Last but not least, John, we've got a uh, super bold prediction. What do you got for us? Yeah, so as a Giants fan, I'm kind of just rooting for a meteor to hit the field, you know, like go Giant Meteor. <laughs> um, I'm not, you know, rooting for the Pats of the Eagles here. That's a tough one. I mean, I'm probably going for the Pats over the Eagles. Eagles are division rivals. You know, I, you know, the, the Patriot fans, I figure you've got, um, you know, if they win another Super Bowl, it's not really going to mean anything to them. Um, whereas with the Eagles fans, like it'll actually bring meaning to their meaningless lives. And I, I don't really want that happening. Um, <laughs> my wife went to grad school in Philly for two years. I, I've been among them. Um, I, I don't really want happiness being brought to that city. So I'm, I'm going to say, uh, you know, I'm rooting for the Pats. I think the Pats are going to win. You know, I think that they're probably the better team right now still that, uh, you know, Belichick and Brady have been there and only my boy Eli Manning 
really has the mojo to defeat them. So uh, I'm going Pats on this one. There it is. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the Fantasy Football Mailbag. A word of his podcast, we are dedicated to answering your fantasy football questions. If you have any questions you want answered on the mailbag, hit us up via email, rotavizradio at gmail.com, or on Twitter, at rotavizradio, using the hashtag RVMailbag. John, man, many thanks for carving out the time and coming on the show. Any last-minute plugs? Uh, no, just, you know, keep an eye on the off season. Um, you know, I've got a couple of things I've been planning as far as looking at, you know, some stuff in best ball leagues, some stuff in dynasty leagues that, uh, you know, I've, I've got some articles that I've already started sketching out of, uh, what I'm going to be doing that, you know, I, I really want to focus on, you know, good actionable stuff that, you know, it, with the dynasty column in the middle of the thing, it's, uh, you know, I try to give some moves to make, but, you know, some of those are really dependent. But, you know, uh, I feel like best ball, you know, particularly there's stuff where you can say, hey, you know, here's some inefficiencies that can be exploited. You know, th- this is what to do. You know, I mean, my, my goal wants my goal is to, you know, give people advice that's going to help them win. So that's what I'm going to be trying to do this off season. Very good. All right. You know where it is. Hit him up on Twitter at FF Skiball. That's FF underscore Skiball. And also, please don't rate, uh, don't rate, don't forget to rate and write uh, a review for the show on iTunes. It means a lot. I'm Jeremy Hart at Fantasy Gumshoe. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Mailbag, a special edition of Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Ready, set, save California? It's sellathon time this Labor Day at your California Ford dealer. Get ready for the best offers of the summer on the 2019 Ford lineup, like an adventure ready Explorer or the all new built Ford Tough Ranger. Or get behind the wheel of the 2019 Ford. Ford F-150 with the power, toughness, and capability to carry any payload. You've waited all summer for these deals, and the wait is over. So ready, set, save. The Labor Day sell is on now, but don't wait. These deals won't last. Hurry into your California Ford dealer before it all ends September 3rd. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.